Obviously he has a huge penis. Obviously he has a huge penis. Obviously he has a huge penis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. Now it's time to talk Patriots football with a dentist, a curmudgeon, and a Korean English teacher. Wow. All right, here we go. From the Landline Studios in uh, Browntown, Brownsville, the Brown House, Watertown, Mass., using the internet like never before, just embracing the hypocrisy of the landline and conference calling with uh, $400 worth of equipment that doesn't work. This is the Landline Podcast, Expatriate Sports. Thank you so much for coming, gentlemen. It's good to hear your voice. It's great, yeah. great to hear yours. We are going to talk Pat's football here and everything connected with it. We have... Three games in the book, three exciting games. We have more storylines of the Patriots than we've had since the podcast started, I would argue. Um, three games, soon to be three quarterbacks. Um, Baker and I watched the first game together in my living room. We watched the second game together from Gillette Stadium. And we angrily texted... The third game to each other from various places. Mike, why don't you chime in and say what your three-game experience has been thus far? Give us the, the cliff notes on the first three games in terms of where you've watched, who's been around, and how it's been. Uh, first three games have been incredible, obviously. Uh, Cardinals game was uh, that first Sunday night, and I took that Monday morning off. So I celebrated by basically going to town on as many escudos as I could put down uh, throughout the game, uh, which was incredible. But it was great. I had friends came over during the day um, to watch some of the earlier games, like the Giants game against the Cowboys and stuff. And then they all left right before the Patriots game. So it couldn't have been more perfect. Um I was camping in Argentina that second weekend um, during the Dolphins game, but got back. Not, do- um, not basically, Dolphins. Not Dolphins. That- oh, yeah, Dolphins. I was there. Never mind. I was shit-faced. Yeah, you were there, idiot. <laughs> I got shit-faced and drove home drunk. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So I came home and basically, yeah, I can started watching the whole thing over. That was obviously amazing. We, I, I can't wait to hear how you guys um your about your experiences and then the uh the third game was against the texans and i have my friend who's from houston who came over and made a bunch of chili and we got all the basically the gringos and fruits of the food together to come have a party and watch football and the power went out about 15 minutes before the game. And so we had to configure it and finally figured out a way to watch it. But we watched it by candlelight on my computer because the TV wasn't working uh, because there was no electricity. It was 
awful. I just wanted everybody to leave. But the game was incredible. That's so fun, though. That's so festive, uh, huddling around the computer. Luckily, you're smart enough to plug it in for long enough for it to work, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had it charge in the whole day. Um, so it, having, it, having chili and chili? Yeah, how many chili, yeah. chili and chili jokes were there? That was my next question. <laughs> uh, there were not as many as I thought. It's because these are, these are you know gringos who have been here for a long time, so... They don't think those jokes are funny anymore. Right. We'll take, Chris and I will take notes when for that when we come down to visit to not make the chili and chili joke. My my mom made the same joke too, so you know you're in good company there. <laughs> um, and She's always been funny. Just for reference, it's a little dated now on the pod, but um, Escudo, it's not the Budweiser of Chile, but it's the like Miller Lite. Like, what can we can we? Is it like sort? It's it looks like a Takati when you buy it, right? But is it the national beer? Yeah. yeah, there's two national beers, and they're both equally as shitty. Um, there's Cristal, which is horrible, and there's a Scudo, and I'm a I'm an Escudo man. Um, yeah, but wait, this is a separate topic. But the good news is that I've been making my own beer. And by that first game that Brady's back, it should be all good to go. So wow, for the that, rest of the season, I hope to be changing from a Scudo to homebrew. The Tom Brady pan. What are you going to call it, Mike? Are you yeah. call it Brady's back brew? Or? Yeah, but yeah the maybe. B, triple B. We, triple B. The, the, uh, ba- the Brady comeback. What is it, a lager? No, it's a, it's a it's an Ameri- it's like a it's a American pale ale. So it's right. a it's a clone of when I went out and visited you in Oregon. I was there for what seventy two hours and drank probably three hundred Mirror Pond ale, and so it's a clone of that recipe. And it actually it, it has turned out really well in the past. So flagship flagship beer of Deschutes Brewery. All right, Chris. Well, what's your three? What's your three great three game recap? We had a couple days together, um, and then you had one on your own. What's your? Uh, how are you feeling thus far as we ease our way into late September? I feel fantastic. I mean, I'm, the wedding season is over. I'm done traveling. I'm re- really ready to settle into a nice stint here of Patriots football. Um. Great fun watching the Cardinals game at your house. Coming back from that Wisconsin trip, landing, and then just you know having those great wings outside and hanging great company. Couldn't believe we won that game. Jimmy G looked awesome. And then obviously the the next week with my at Miami was the home game, the opener. Though I think the opener is always one of the best games of the year, especially if you're there. I think you can probably fill in the details on that story. And then the Texans. Um, I mean, I'm shocked they they won that game. I can't believe it. They came up with such a great game plan, and you know, just they didn't even just win; they just dominated. So it's it's been awesome. It's it's I just keep thinking back to what Mike said um, about how he just does. He literally doesn't care, uh, you know, what the NFL does. The, the Patriots are going to keep winning, and and they, he's being proven to be right. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next stint here, um, just settling in. I'm going to a lot of games coming up here, starting at Buffalo. And then the Cleveland Browns, um, and then we'll see. I'm all in this for this season. I'm ready. I'm ready for it to really kick off here. I feel like we've been 
uh, you know, having fun these first few weeks, just like kind of dinking around with uh, backup quarterbacks. But I'm ready for this for this game to this season to really get started here coming up. Well, I too have had a fun time watching Patriots football. So much to get into, but um, great first game with uh, Chris and Margot. They came back from a giant wedding that we podcasted about. I made a. I was happy to make a nice spread of local seasonal foods, and we had a grand old time. Uh, I would say a mediocre gluten-free cake, but that's maybe a, a topic for another <laughs> podcast. Um, but the best part of that whole experience, besides the game and the fun and the beers, was Margot wrote us a thank you note, an old-fashioned thank you note, a true landline um, event. Wow. And she actually cut out a picture of Jimmy G and covered up whatever card it was with Jimmy G's face um, and then wrote this really funny thank you note which was self-deprecating and gracious and authentic and she like this is a little small town moment that made me like wish I was all these things that I'm not which is like the great problem of my existence that I just wish everything to be different than it is but made me feel like I lived in a you know small town 30 years ago because she clearly sent it on Monday and it was delivered by the mailman to our house on Tuesday because we live in the same town. So it was like before I could even remember she came over, we had a thank you note. Um, so Baker, major kudos. I didn't know she did that. Yeah, and that well, there you go. There's just another great example of what a good person she is. She didn't make it about telling everyone that she wrote one she just wrote one because she thought that was the right thing to do so um beautiful great note funny i think she referred to herself as a booze bag who ate mcdonald's at the chicago airport so um, <laughs> yeah, it's true she did so that was great and then um and then we had we went to the tailgate so baker and i met up he was coming back from a wedding in block island wedding season was still in full force, I came down from the house. We met up at the at the secret locals parking lot. You know how it goes with Baker. He's got all the inside track when you're going to the game, the good tickets, the good parking spot, the good tailgate. We walked through the path, drank some beer. I would say it was a little bit of a – it wasn't the normal tailgate experience, although he can speak to that better than me because different guys. We showed up late. We didn't have our car. We sort of, like, brought food because we thought we should, but we didn't necessarily need to. I mean, that's one thing. You know, I guess if we knew those guys, or if I knew them a little bit better, it would just, the amount the amount of extra food that is brought to the tailgate, because everybody feels obligated, there's got to be a better way to do it, right? Like, I'm happy to bring as much food as necessary, but everyone eats yeah. and drinks and eats, and then you have all of this food set out on your tables and it's time to clean up and everyone's like walking around like do you want to eat these do you want to eat those like we went last year and these guys pull out a deep fried turkey an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff it's like well now what are you now what are you going to do with it fun is the fun is the cooking not even the not even the eating um so we had a good time there and then we went to the game and and the big takeaway that i wanted to talk about with about game in person that i told chris while we were going now football was great we had a really fun time i saw jimmy g get uh injured in person knew something was wrong because he really like staggered around and tried to stay up and then just like took a knee and was clearly like I, I cannot play anymore but um, yeah. that connects directly to the fact that everybody loves marijuana um, 
<laughs> there, everybody in the parking lot. Now, now, we're not even talking like we're at the game in Oakland or like we're in the Seattle game or like, you know, we're in some like hip, like Minneapolis, like people smoke weed there because they like ride fix your bikes and go to dive bars. We're like in Puritan, Massachusetts, where sure, people are politically liberal, but weed has never been something that's really like on the forefront. And we had sixty, a group of sixty-year-old drunk guys next to us, just hitting the bowl. Um, you, it smells all over the parking lot, and I just wonder, like, when did that happen? Like, at some point in the last three years, it became okay to consume marijuana publicly. I feel like five years ago, everyone would have been worried if someone like their dad was looking at them when they did it, and that's just not the case anymore. Mike, do you see? Do you see any difference when you come back to the states with like? The use and celebration of marijuana. It's it's. Inc- Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, I've been down here for eight years, and think about how much has changed since then. I mean, <laughs> last time we were at the game, I remember being really paranoid about it, and like you you look around and you don't feel good, and it's like maybe we should go behind this tree or do whatever. But I don't know. It's 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 completely different, and uh, it's still a little weird for me. Actually, I'm still stuck in the past. Actually, yeah, there is something a little weird about it because it was sort of fun to like sneak away and smoke where no one knew about it and be maybe the only ones who were stoned. Now I realize for the first time walking to this game, like, oh, okay, everyone's stoned because it's so fun to watch football <laughs> when you're stoned. So it's like, you know, so-and-so's got a big jar of heady nugs in their car. Like, the car next door has got edibles. It's just like, it's, it's weed city. And, and when weed gets legalized in these states, if you want to make some money, start a weed farm because you're just going to be shipping it all over to these cities for legal weed consumption. You know, there's some guy at business school who partnered with, like, a 60-year-old entrepreneur and they're making a weed beverage where it's just you just drink it and it gets you high like weed. It's just liquid THC. And they're like marketing it to convenience stores. So there's going to be a green rush like there is in Colorado and New England at some point soon. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then the third game, which I watched on Twitter. And um, this, start, this starts to feed into – so I was at, you know, at a home without cable and it was fun to watch with my dad on Twitter because I could like – we don't, you know, it's a, the TV's new there, and we don't have cable or antenna or anything, so it was a way to watch the game, and similar to what Mike was talking about, where you're, like, sitting on your computer and everyone's in the dark room, we had kind of a similar experience to that. It's a little bit fun. It feels like a little bit of a luxury when you're, like, watching TV in a place where you're normally not watching TV, but I don't know if it was Twitter or not, but the amount of commercials during that game was, like, I don't know. I think next game for the podcast... I'm going to time it, and I'm going to start and stop a stopwatch when the commercials are on and then know exactly how long the game is. And we can figure out the percentage, but is it 65% commercials, 35% game? Like, how much game are we watching in that three and a half hours? Um, I Well, when I came back for the Miami game, what happens is if I get home after the game is finished, I just can go on to the internet and watch it from the beginning without any commercials, and it takes like an hour and a half to watch the game. It's incredible, and it just goes right through it, and it makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, because it's not only just that they're showing commercials, is that it's the same 
fucking five commercials over and over and over again. It's awful. Uh, Bakes, what's and they your... mostly have Peyton Manning. Yeah. yeah. Baker, you were saying a couple days ago in one of our, like, WEI-style feuds that we've been having around this podcast taping um, that you hated the NFL. Do you want to elaborate that on that? And does it at all connect to the commercials or, like, the presentation? Because I think all these things are related. Like, I think the commercials are connected to the ratings, which I want to talk about, and I think the injuries are connected to the ratings, and I want to just, like, I want to get your opinion about the state of the NFL in this new season as it's September. Well, no, I, I, I that was in relation to the fact that we've been gambling for Mike to come to win money so he can come to this wedding. And, like, you know, we've been keeping our head, up, like, basically at the level of water, but it's so hard to predict who's going to win this league, which is what makes it exciting, I guess, for a lot of people. But I just I think it's like when you – when you make it so unpredictable, everybody's like seems mediocre. It's like I don't. It's just you know, it's so frustrating. You think somebody's going to win, and then they lose by thirty-four to the Eagles. Yeah. It's like what the. Fuck? Well, what good can we name so. any good teams? Like, who are the good teams right now that we are like one hundred percent sure are good teams? Patriots. Patriots. The Broncos. The Broncos are a good team. They are, unfortunately. It appears that the Eagles are good, but who knows? But like I don't, I don't, Eagles, I don't buy the Eagles. Yeah, like new coach, new quarterback. The Eagles, yeah. like you're not you're not going to bet your house on them making the playoffs at this point. The Packers don't seem that good, but who knows what they'll? I mean, they don't seem that good. Arizona, who I thought would be really good, has lost the, to us and the, to the Bills now. Carolina, you know, has, I, it's, hard, it's so hard. Carolina has played a lot of games last three years and feels like they might not be as good like we're not going to bet on the you know I mean, we're going to get into the betting here in a second when Gabe calls in but like the Vikings are 3-0 and they're not a good team they have a great defense but I, I mean not even in terms of like from an analysis analysis standpoint but I'm trying to figure out what the matchup is on an NFL Sunday that I'm excited to watch that doesn't involve the Patriots like Mike, you've there, been, are none. there there aren't that many. Like the Raiders are exciting. Mike's been putting a little money on the Raiders. Like that they seem necessarily exciting. I guess watching the Seahawks is exciting, but I hate them so much, so that's hard. But you know, like no. it's like you know, the Cincinnati's of the world, the Houston's of the world, the um you know, the Atlanta's of the world, the New Orleans of the world. It just feels so stale. I mean, I want, like, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston to be good so we have someone else to watch. But yeah. it's, like, all of these retreads, and um, I don't know. I think that there is a matrix there that involves – so I sent you guys an article about how the ratings are down, basically, um, this year. And I just wonder if the whole thing with the commercials – and with um, teams being sort of mediocre, with players getting injured, and someone was arguing on on radio that because it's it's like all year round now that there's actually like so much like hype around the games, and then when you actually get to the games, they're not that good. Um, that there's kind of this letdown, but it just feels like you know something we've been saying the last few years on the podcast is the product isn't that good. And that, like, the experience of watching isn't that good. And I'm super psyched about the Patriots, and I'm going to watch every second. Like, the, the, the contrast to all of this is the Patriots are fun to watch, 
in a way that they haven't been for a while because they're hungry. They're angry again. Like, I guess that it was like that maybe a year and a half ago. But they're angry. They have something to play for. They've got new guys. They've got new young guys. They're going to come together as a team regardless of the quarterback. These are all fun things to root for. But there's this weird sort of aura around the rest of the NFL where, like, the commissioner is a joke. The, like, we all now understand that it's a bunch of rich white guys, like, making as much money as they can. We get that they all have product tie-ins to the commercials. We understand that they're just trying to, like, get data on all of us watching and show us on Twitter and all this. And I wonder, is there any way that it actually, like, has an impact on people's excitement for this thing that everyone over the last few years has said will never, ever, 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 ever lose its market share? It's losing now. It's starting to lose. Yeah, it's probably why so many people are smoking weed now. Yeah, more fun. I would say, if, from a personal standpoint, like if if the Patriots weren't on a Sunday or a Monday, I wouldn't I wouldn't spend my day watching the NFL, and that's right. just the way I feel about it. And um, you know, I usually get used to get really excited about you know the NFL. It's a full Sunday of watching football and stuff, but it's just not. It's it hasn't it doesn't feel that way anymore to me. And and a part of me wonders that. I mean, I, I was really excited because of this. Jimmy Garoppolo situation where, you know, he was just so he was so fun to watch as an alternative to Tom Brady, which was like frightening for me to kind of go through that range of emotions because I've been so dedicated to the Patriots and Brady and Belichick and whatnot for like the last fifteen years of my life. But you know, Jimmy stepping on the field and like performing really well and you know, I mean, geez, what did he throw three three touchdowns in the first quarter in that Miami game that we were at? I mean, how exciting did that offense look? I mean, how how amazing was that? And that gave me something to like that was the first time probably in the last three or four years that I said to myself, If this kid's a quarterback, uh, moving forward, like if Brady say if Brady retired in two years and, and Jimmy stayed on, like I would continue to watch them as long as Belichick was around, you know, and, and they were doing what they're doing. I I think but, that's uh that's that's a big thing is the coaching too. You know, Alex you were talking about Oakland and how I love that the like the talent on the offensive side of the ball and all this stuff and I think their defense has been playing horribly but they should be a little bit better. But then, you know, they pan to the sideline and they're showing Jack Del Rio calling the shots. And I just sit, sit, say to myself, God, I'm such an idiot. Like, why would I put money on Jack Del Rio, this guy that I've seen just get his ass kicked for the last, uh, you know, 10 years by the Patriots? And it's just, I, I, I think there's, there's just not enough talent to go around. And um, and they can't practice. We, yeah, yeah. There's that, yeah. but it's it's there's there's something more to it where it's just the teams aren't as well put together as the Patriots. There's not like that the connection between the coaches and the players that I think there needs to be. Yeah, the inspirational thing and like uh, Mike Lombardi, one of our um, upcoming guests, colleagues now, our famous friend Gabe is going to come on, hopefully uh, boost our ratings. Um, he said he's going to call from the car now. Yeah, and he said he had to poop. Let's make sure we talk as much shit about him as possible before he gets on, because if we do it while he's <laughs> on, he won't let us put it on the Internet. So, um, but <laughs> I guess I guess Lombardi was on. Mike Lombardi was with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. He was like a general manager type, he, and then he 
worked in media, and then he came back to coaching and whatever. He knows him from a long time, worked with the Patriots, and now left to go back to Fox Sports. And he has, I think, said in an interview the other day on Sports Radio, basically, that getting people to buy into the culture is such a hard thing to do because it's really like it's a classic scenario of life, which is it's like when you're negotiating a contract or you're applying to a job or anything, you're having like a bargaining chip with your wife or your husband. You have to be willing to like walk away or not get what, you know, the other person thinks you're not unwilling to back down from. And in the case of the Patriots, it's like either he'll sign this contract that's less than what he can get someplace else or we'll just let him go. And um, if someone is like an incredible talent on paper, but they like are a knucklehead in the locker room, we're just going to fire him and we're going to find someone else to do the job equally or better than they can. I think a lot of these other teams are really afraid that if they get rid of a first-round draft pick or someone who has good fantasy numbers or whatever, that they're making that, that that's like the first guy they've had for a long time that could do anything, and now all their fans are going to be like, how could you get rid of this guy? Where, you know, all of the sort of like, I don't know if Ocho Cinco is a good example, but even Randy Moss at the end of his stint in New England, I mean, all the guys, Lawyer Malloy, Richard Seymour, all those people, they just, they just unloaded him. Ty Law. Um, and Chandler Jones. And so um, I just think it's interesting they have had... And it makes you wonder about Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah, what do we think is going to happen? I don't know. Uh, but you point out all, every single example of this, and, and people have obviously talked this to death, and I don't want to, but every single example of people, of those names that you just mentioned, they found a cheaper alternative when, when a player gets to about their peak and they're on the downside of it. And, you know, Brady is certainly there. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I don't care what how much ice cream he, uh, avocado ice cream he eats and everything else, he's going to be 40 next year and he's going to start to split. He has to, unless he's figured out some magic tonic that, you know, I wish we could all have. Steroids. It just doesn't exist. It's just, it's so hard for me. And the thing is, I'm such an idiot about it, and I'm such, like, a fanboy about it. You know, if I had my way, Nomar Garcia-Para would still be playing shortstop for the, for the Red Sox. So I'm just glad I'm not the one making these decisions because I'm too connected to it, and I wouldn't be able to separate this from whatever. You know, all those players that you mentioned would still be playing for the Patriots if, if I had my way. Well, it's it's, it's all be- it's it's Belichick's competitiveness, right? That's really the only d- differentiating factor. Like Belichick could say, "I don't care, I won't win another Super Bowl, and I'll keep until Brady leaves, and I'll keep him until he wants to retire." And Belichick would still go down as the greatest coach in history. He would still have you know four Super Bowl rings as a head coach and two others as an assistant coach. He would still be able to work till he died for the Patriots. People would still fill the stadium. He would still be able to coach coach well. It's like a strategy when you're playing blackjack. It's like, you're okay, I'm going to make this much in, until I walk away. But he's been playing blackjack for 25 years, and he's won every single year. He could stay this year and not actually like bankrupt himself. He'll just lose whatever stack is in front of him. So, But he's too competitive to do that, right? He's like too much of a idiot savant or whatever he's like too anal retentive to let a player that isn't perfect play for him just based on general principle it's not like it would like actually affect 
the greater narrative of any any of these people that are involved. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's because uh, I. So you don't you don't think that he would you don't think that he would trade Brady? So 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 for example, like if. If Jimmy G had played those four games, and I told you that at the, this at the game when he got hurt, that I turned to you and said, "That's a, that sucks for us right now because it's like we were enjoying watching him, but that's the best thing that could have happened for Tom Brady." So if he had played for four games straight and had put up the kind of, and played the way he was playing for the first game and a half, they would be having a serious discussion, I think, about the, what's going to happen next year or or in the immediate future with Tom Brady, and I think they'd probably consider trading him. Because they think that they have the next ten years in Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I mean, Chris, I think you're absolutely right. I think that they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do trade him, and I don't, and I wouldn't argue that. And also, I think just to point out what you said in the game, not only did you say that, but the way you said it meant for you, the the gravity of what you said in that moment when we were like, you know, high on weed like everyone else. It's okay because everyone else was, and ha- a couple of beers deep. I wasn't. Uh, I was not. You weren't. Yeah, you weren't. You were the only about. one there. You were the only <laughs> white male between eighteen and fifty-four who wasn't high. Um, the that you you said it with this gravity of it all works out for Tom Brady again because he's like the golden boy of destiny, and that there's like a, yep. some sort of power. There's some sort of like you know fate at work that's way beyond what's going on. It's like. He is gonna be go down as the greatest athlete in professional sports history because of moments like this. But I uh, want him to, and I want him to too. I, don't get me wrong. I want Tom. I would if Tom Brady could play like the way he's played for the last fifteen years for the next ten. I would. I could be like trade Jimmy Garoppolo tomorrow and get as many draft picks as you can. But, but like, we just don't know when that's gonna end. I I'm saying as a fan, I would be okay with them keeping him until he retires even if they don't make the playoffs like it's like if you you know if your wife is hot until she's 55 and it's like really working out and then she like gains a bunch of weight and is ugly from 55 to 70 don't you sign up get rid of her (laughs) get out of there (laughs) okay you're right that's true well that's why Bill Belichick is divorced right Uh, yeah, but getting to it, come on! I can't believe we're even having this discussion. Really, like it's Brady. It's 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 different. It's different than any other player. I, I know think. that's why I, that's I why you keep that, him. Yeah, I think yeah. you keep him, and I think he's deserved to go out on his terms. And that's that's where I am. And I know that I'm a fanboy, but that's I, as as incredible as Garoppolo looked. Um, I just even having this discussion is crazy to me, and. Uh, the coolest thing, as you were saying, Baker, is that this is just firing um, Brady up, and he's going to come back. And you know, let's just try to. Yeah, enjoy he looked this pretty, he looked pretty fired up in Italy a couple of days ago, <laughs> hanging around. Oh, speaking of which, I was thinking about that earlier. You should print out a nude, a Tom Brady nude of him lounging around, and put it on your beer bottles. Ooh. Like that would be fantastic. Hey, that's the greatest idea the podcast has ever had, right there. <laughs> Wait. So, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna change subjects because we're because I want to talk about Brady nude because that's that'll get us some ratings. But um, yes, I I to to clarify my point of view, I agree with you, Mike. Just keep him and lose. Keep him and lose. What's interesting is that it's enter, it's at its core, it's entertainment, right? It's not like it's not a war. It's not a political decision. Football is entertainment. So if Bill Belichick 
got a contract from all the season ticket holders that said, we want Brady to stay and we'll take whatever record we get, like, would that make it okay? Um, I think he's too competitive. But anyways, so, Baker, you wake up. I got a great idea for the name of your beer. I got a great idea for the name of your beer, Mike. Could be, Mike, you there? Yeah. It could be Tom Brady's Brood. Ooh, get it? Tom get Brady's, it? what is it? Brews. Brews. Ah. Brews. Naked brew. What's that ah, sound? What's that I like sound? it. But... What's that sound in the background? Is that is that uh, somebody's teeth? I think Gabe's trying to call in, isn't he? That's my turn signal. Oh, my God. Gabe in the car. Gabe in the car. Hey, have you met Gabe? Uh, All right. Um... Gabe. Baby, uh, everyone, it's, it's time to go now. Bye. Uh, I don't have to talk. I can just listen. <laughs> all right. Uh, welcome, everyone, for his fourth and final appearance on the Landline Podcast. It's our it's our <laughs> famous, famous friend in Los Angeles, Gabe, the head of feminist programming at Fox Sports. Gabe, our famous guy in Los Angeles. So, Gabe... Where were you when you first found out about Tom Brady's nude photos? Um, I was on my Twitter account at home when my I shouldn't have been using my phone because I'm supposed to pay attention to my wife and child. <laughs> and, and and what did you like? Were you were you surprised? Were you like, of course? Like, what was your point of view? Did you get a boner? I I guess I was surprised. Like, I don't know. I guess I would have hoped that Tom Brady wasn't in Italy, like, tanning in the nude during a suspension. Like, you'd think he'd be more invested in football, but... but so who, I guess that was, like, a little bit of surprise. I'm not surprised he was tanning in the nude. I was more surprised he was in Italy. So, but who... He can't... He literally can't find anyone to throw with, right? Because all... Like, who is the best football player on earth that he could throw footballs to? Because either they're, like, dying of... Con- Wes Walker. Wes Walker, right? Yeah, but I don't know if Wes Welker even picks up the phone anymore, given his concussions. <laughs> oh, they're friends. He, he thinks it's friends. like a. He thinks someone's like hammering a nail next to his head when the phone. Um, I mean, because all the college, all the college and high school players are playing, and the retired guys probably are slow. Like they can't be counted on to do this. I guess it's like undrafted free agents. That's who you throw to. Well, so here's the thing, like, do we, I know we're like past apologists here and they've never cheated ever, at least in Baker's mind, but like, do you think he's doing anything cheating-wise to like get the playbooks or throw to the other guys in the team? I hope so. Me too. Someone, uh, Mike Florio, the, the, you know, um, pro football talk guy was talking about how easy it is to just get a burner phone and be able to like text back and forth and then throw the phone out at the end and no one would ever know like i hope they're doing some dirty clandestine shit like that because the worst thing that could ever happen for the nfl is them finding out brady cheating again and having to go like they would prefer to never find out about anything than have him get found out again so i feel like instead of thinking that everyone's watching him he might just be taking liberties but i i have no idea you that's the thing you're you're on the podcast for gabe you're the insider what if, like, Bill Belichick just built, like, an underground field that's exactly like Foxborough, and that 
Tom Brady just has like plays games when the when the Pats are actually playing, but nobody knows about it. It's underneath have, the field. I, I, I have a better question. What if those pictures came out and he just had like a micro penis, like he couldn't even see it, and like it gave just so much fuel to all the other people who hate him, and we had to we had to just you know. Talk Brady up for the rest of our lives, and everyone can always be like, "Yeah, but he's got a tiny dick." <laughs> um, that is an incredible. What if he had a huge? What if he had a huge penis, Mike? That would, that was, that's obvious. That's the way it, it, it is. I guarantee. It. Obviously, he has a huge penis. Right. I mean, let's, exactly. That would be the most unsurprising thing of all time. Um, right. <laughs> But do you think the New York Post? If you saw Jeff Bush, like that would be really weird. Like that, like there's this movie called The Overnight that Gabe um, recommended to my wife and I, and we watched it. And there's at one point, um, what's that actor? What's that actor's name? Jason Schwartzman. He has like so good. He takes his pants off and he has a fake micro. Like they they think it's a real micro penis. It within the world of the movie. Oh, it's no, his, Adam Scott. Yeah. It's his real micro penis in the yeah. world of the movie, but it's a like a fake micro penis that like the the props department got to make with like a fake bush. And I, I don't know. We should try to buy that on eBay. It's an incredible Halloween costume. Um, Gabe. Or just call Noah. Gabe, what? What are you on a? <laughs> Are you on a speakerphone right now, Gabe? I'm on my Bluetooth. Is it how is the audio annoying? Just don't yell. Yeah, it's it's a little bit blown out when you yell. All uh, right, I'll keep it down. All right, well, Gabe's here today to talk about our gambling ring that he's organized illegally for us on the internet. Um, and yeah. just to to reset the situation here, each of us has put a hundred dollars in to get Mike to Chris Baker's wedding. Mike lives in uh, Central Patagonia, right, Mike? Am I right on that? Central Patagonia. Yeah. Mikey likes it. And uh, Chris is getting married July eighth in uh, Hanover, New Hampshire. You're all invited. Um, money is no object for this wedding, and. We are going to try to gamble our way to a plane ticket on Lon Chile from uh, Santiago. Or where would you go? Would you go from Puerto Montt to Santiago to Boston? Can we start talking? It is, it is pretty long. Um, so it's a three-hour bus ride to the airport um, that's close to me. And then it's either a short, like, half-hour flight up to the city of Puerto Montt, where I used to live, where Alex, you came. Um, or which could also be a 17-hour um, ferry ride, <laughs> basically, is the other option. Definitely take um, the ferry. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the ferry is only like 15 bucks, so it's so much that's better. That's the only <laughs> thing we can afford. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Mike. At this rate, yeah, you've got to take the ferry. <laughs> cut corners somehow. Um, and then from there, it's uh, Puerto Montt to Santiago. And then, I mean, flying lawn is like, for me, is flying first class. I could fly, like, Avianca, which is horrible, a Colombian airline, um, or American Airlines, which is even worse. But Lon goes directly to New York, and usually the other ones are, you know, either through Texas or um, or uh, Miami or whatever. And literally, I don't care how long it takes me to get there. Um, I'll take the longest flight ever <laughs> um, because... Uh, I think it's worth it, you know, to be there for Baker's wedding. 
That's so nice. Now and it'll be free because we're going to win all this money. Um, yeah, well, sort of. So, Baker, while I pull up the spreadsheet on our winnings and get ready to just talk about our gambling strategy in general, can you clue us in on any wedding details? Like, if we were going to build a puzzle of the wedding that Mike is coming to, is there one single element that you can start advertising to him? One single, um, let's see. I mean, not really. I'm not very good. I don't really know all the details yet. We have to meet with a wedding coordinator here at some point in the next month or so and start nailing down all of those details. But, Mike, you've been up to Balch Hill. You know what it's like. You know how magnificent it is there. Yeah, if uh, if the doctor is on the uh, on the saxophone playing Van Morrison, oh, I can't oh, miss that. Oh, he'll be there. He'll be he'll be on the axe. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be up there playing, and yeah, you know, not the whole night, but he's going to do a couple songs. It's going to be great. So that's oh, it. Gotta be there. That's it. You got it. We have a grassy hill, and we have Baker's dad on the saxophone. Those are two elements that we're playing. <laughs> can we can we invite Mike's dad in case I faint again? <laughs> <laughs> So, Gabe, do you want to talk about feigning at the last wedding? <laughs> I think it's been long enough. I'm prepared to talk about it. All right, just give us the, uh, you know, we're trying to keep the podcast punchy these days, so you, we'll, give you, we'll give you five full minutes to get it out. I'll, I can do it quick. On Friday morning, I landed back in the U.S. from a week at the Olympics in Brazil. Did not totally fine stomach at that point. Uh, got drunk that night with Alex. We played Beirut together in a, in a pre-wedding fest at Mahler's wedding. Saturday morning, went to Worthy Burger in South Royalton. Ate a full meal there. Was feeling a little antsy waiting for my food. And, like, on my last bite, like, got a rumble in my stomach of, like, I need to go have diarrhea right now. Like, immediately. So, like, went into the Worthy Burger bathroom like blew it out, full-on ass piss. And was like, okay, I got that out of me, something weird, I'll be fine. Like got out of the bathroom and like 30 seconds later, I was like, I need to have ass piss again. Like went back, ran back into the bathroom and that happened three times at Worthy Burger in a span of five minutes. Oh. So I knew something was wrong. Then drove back to the wedding venue area, almost pooped my pants in the car and then had three more ass pisses. Before the wedding. So how many ass pieces so like, is that total? If, if I have a spreadsheet, but I couldn't. I think we're at six. We're at six ass pieces right now in a span of like two hours. <laughs> so then went to the wedding, proceeded to tell everyone about my ass fest. Yep, such got a glutton. The ceremony. Got through the ceremony. Then we went up to the cocktail hour, which had the best like or past hors d'oeuvres I've ever seen at a wedding and I couldn't eat any of them which for me is like basically being stabbed in the eyeballs with a nice pick like prosciutto and figs and a full raw bar and I was just eating pieces of bread and so then <laughs> endless oysters like, mac and cheese bites I need yeah, I need to do. It was also anything. 95. It was also 95 degrees. It was hot out. It was definitely hot. I was I was very dehydrated. Um Needed to, I was, like, trying to think of anything that would make my stomach feel better. So, of course, like, my first decision is to find Tom and try to take a hit of weed. So, did that. And so, like, as that's finishing, I'm walking back up to cocktail hour. I see your dad, Mike, and I was, like, trying to avoid him because I wasn't ready to have a conversation with him yet. But, like, we made eye contact, so I had to have a conversation with him. 
which was lucky because I was happy to talk to him. And he immediately started talking to me about eating brownies and cheese, his favorite thing. <laughs> um, and then, like, in the middle of the conversation, like, he actually started talking about his health. And I don't know if that made me think about my health, but, like, my eyes started getting blurry, and I was like, I need a cup of water, I'm going to faint. And, like, basically just, like, held on to your dad as I collapsed. And that's the next, like, I don't remember much else. And so, like, suddenly I, like, what came to, and, like, your dad has my, like, legs above, over my head, like, on the side grass of the cocktail hour with, like, three other doctors looking over me. And your mom, like, rushing up, Mike, and, like, your mom... And she got so relieved because she thought your dad had fainted when she realized it was just me that had fainted. She was so I know. Happy. I know. That's what she told me. She thought she was doing my dad. So then, you know, that led to me having to leave the wedding and go to the Dartmouth Hitchcock's yard twice in two days. A strong case of the aspect. Now, this is sort of an insignificant wow. detail, but um, just to add on. You know, weddings, the wedding planners, brides, people in charge, people paying, they're very in, in, in tune with the flow. How is everyone going to move from the ceremony to the cocktail hour? And then how are we going to get them all in the tent? And where are they going to walk? And what flowers do we want to put there? And what is the path going to look like? And should we put votives in bags and make that, you know, for uh, luminaria? And Gabe's faint happened directly <laughs> in the path where the entire cocktail party was supposed to go from the delicious uh, display of hors d'oeuvres to the tent. Like, it was like a winding downhill path, and there was really no workaround. So the looks on the faces of some of these people who had, like, flown up from completely different places, like, you know, backwoods of Florida and the south and all over, uh, cousins and people who had never seen Gabe, and it was just this, like, emaciated, balding Jew boy who was, like, <laughs> like covered, covered in sweat, being looked at by, like, all these, like, 70-year-old doctors and attended to, like, he was, like, never going to live again. It was quite it was quite entertaining for the rest of us. And did you have to explain to everyone that, yeah, that's our most successful friend over there? The I, one I literally did. Mike, I literally, I went up to people and I was like, he's going to be fine. He's won four Emmys. He just got, he just flew in from Rio. He was shooting the, uh gold medal like volleyball women's volleyball game like he's gonna be fine like i i but every time i would tell someone he's gonna be fine i like oh he used to work for hbo and now he's going to fox sports it was like i literally did tell him how successful he was every time i told the story i i have a very specific image in my mind of like being on the ground with like my legs over my head and like looking over and like seeing mrs willie staring at me like horrified like why do we invite this I feel like I've been in that position before, but I was when I was like 16 years old in high school, yeah. waking up, passed out on her on her kitchen floor or something. Right, like from, because you had been drinking at 10 in the morning during school. Exactly. Um, all right, so let's get to the gambling, folks. We are trying to get Mike to the wedding. We've got we started with 400. We've had three weeks of bets, and we stand at a grand total of 384 dollars. Our overall, our overall portfolio has lost 3.94%. In week one, we went up 5.75%, which is right where we need to be in order to get Mike the plane ticket and have all of us not get our money back, which is fine. I think we're all in for 100 And then we had a horrible week two where we lost four. No, we, we lost three games, pushed one, 
and won one and went down 13.5% to 366. Had a little bit of a recovery last week, but uh, we're not going to get into bad beat stories or stories about what teams were betting on. But in general, has there been anxiety, been frustration? Like, what does everyone feel about the gambling? What what should we can we get a fight in a fight about the gambling right now? That's really what I'm looking for. Well, the first point that I should just bring up quickly is we're every week we're betting on the Patriots, and they're the only ones winning us money right now. The rest of us are just <laughs> consistently losing with bets. That's true. Without the Patriots, actually, I'm gonna I keep talking, Gabe. I'm gonna figure out where we'd be without the Patriots. Hold on, I'm trying not to crash. I'm I'm in LA traffic. Nice. Well, that that would lead me to what I was going to start suggesting, which is I think we should bet against the Browns every every week, like that their Browns are going to lose no matter the spread, and we should bet with the Patriots every week, and that, I think that would be like two that. consistent winners. Okay. All right, betting against people, mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, yeah, and just um, overall, kind of in betting, I've you know been trying to get the whole drinking under control now that uh, there's a baby on the way and whatever so you know not like there was a problem or anything but you know just taking my time and uh and uh taking it easy on nights that i would normally go a little crazier and it's nice to have something to kind of come in with betting to fill that hole in my life where i was feeling a little bit better about myself and now i feel like i'm growing uh into a gambling addict because <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. We can always place oh, more man. bets, Mike. We can always place more bets. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been keeping the betting conservative. By the way, if we hadn't been betting on the Patriots, we'd be down to 309. We would have lost almost 24% of our whole portfolio in three weeks. Um, so, I don't know. I think we should keep doing what we're doing. You know, one thing to do is to start betting in order to make things interesting on TV. Like, we could bet on the Thursday night games. We could bet on the... Monday night games in order to entice them, although I'm kind of loving how little football I'm watching besides the Patriots. Like, I've started to, like, not even watch our bets. I just check in on the bets at the end and see how it goes. Um, But, you know, another way to go is to see what everyone's going to have available on their television that weekend and be able to watch those. Um, And then, I don't know, I mean, we had some text arguments about the way to go, how basically it'll always be as hard as it is or is it easier. Picking against losers... Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we could also make less bets. We could bet, you know, we could bet on two teams and bet a hundred dollars on each game instead of spreading it around. I, I really don't know. I just hope that we. Well, here's one text argument we have that I'll bring up is like I want to just now that we're behind, we need to start playing catch up if Mike's going to make it home. I, I want to bet all of our money on the Patriots beating the Browns, and you guys were hesitant. Like, just money line. Like, all they have to do is win the game. Yeah, I want to bet $400 on that. And maybe we only win 150 out of that, but I'm ready just to risk it all. What do you think, Mike? If we lose, you don't come home. Uh, I, I will vote yes on that if, if people are down. I just feel like, and I know, Gabe, you're going to say that this doesn't matter, but I feel like the moment we put that money in is the moment when the Patriots start to lose. <laughs> I also feel like we're not getting a ton of utility. It doesn't matter. We're not getting a ton. I know. Of, I know you're going to say that. <laughs> we're not going to. We're going to get to get a ton of utility out of our money. That's my only argument against it. Like, let's say we do crap out. I know it's a small possibility. Um, we are in week five, and all our money's gone, and we don't get. 
I just like gambling for the gambling. Like, we could be in for a dollar. We could be in for a thousand. I like the, you know, whatever it is in my brain that's firing because I am a gambling addict someplace deep down inside. So if I'm... So we're not just gambling for the gambling. We're gambling to get Mike home. Yeah, that's true. But if I forfeit, if I for... I'm willing to be riskier, but if I'm forfeiting 11 weeks of gambling, then that's like a... That is a... That's a pretty big opportunity cost, Gabe. Why don't we split the baby in the middle and just do half our money? Yeah, that's... That's... We'll talk about it. Um, yeah, we have to see how we do this weekend too, right? I mean, this is. Yeah, we're. I def- feel like this is going to be a, a big week. This for us <laughs> <laughs> this is where we make the turn. Uh, yeah. So that's that. Um, so I don't know. We're the update is we haven't really gone anywhere. Uh, we're not out of money, but Mike doesn't have a plane ticket yet, and we should be keeping. We haven't really lost. We haven't really lost that much money. No. We uh, haven't been done terrible. Now I if guess we, the, the other. Know, in addition to the uh, saxophone and the hilltop, we should also check on the how expensive the flights are every time we do this. So let me look into that. And you guys, why don't you guys fill some time here, uh, Gabe? What? what so we could buy the flights at the cheapest. Yeah, exactly, Gabe. What's going on? Give us the LA report in uh, ninety seconds. The traffic report is there's traffic. I have a. Uh rental loaner Nissan Frontier pickup truck, which is probably the least practical thing to drive around LA in traffic. I'm wearing awesome. I'm wearing uh, jeans and a tucked in button down and a sport coat because I was in some meetings today. Wow. Not my typical wardrobe. Working uh, for the man. You got to change it up, huh? And I hung out and I talked with Eric Manzini, persona non grata at Foxborough today. Why? He was on set for a show, so I, I, I talked to him about how I interviewed him when I was a Wesleyan, uh, Wesleyan Jr. at Foxborough. And I, I remember a picture that. from him. Yeah, I saw I saw a clip of that interview, Gabe. I saw a clip of that interview, and he was saying about he was talking about how he like really regrets like the whole Spygate thing, and and like basically that his relationship with Belichick has been like eviscerated ever since. Like I'm pretty sure they. You know, they don't talk anymore because of it. Yeah, it seems like a pretty poor relationship there. So, But L.A. overall, is uh, the weather's beautiful and people are happy and everyone's very fit. So it makes me think I need to get more fit. Chris, I need some tips from you. I need, I need some tips, too. I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. I feel like I've been slipping um, in, like, in a few areas. I really need to tighten it up tighten it up in general. I need to get into some fall fitness. I need to like get back to a nice regiment, nice routine, really start nailing it down, start eating better, start just feeling better overall. I think it's been like this this six weeks of weddings and traveling and eating and drinking and you know, all that just has been taking a toll. Some of that I think I'm at the softest my softest, most out of shape point in my entire life and it doesn't feel good. Wow, there's our opener. I would give a lot of money for your softness. I would give a yeah. lot of money for Chris's softness. Yeah, that's that's what I, all, the rest of us feel all the time, Baker. So it, think about it that. Sucks. I don't know how you guys do it. You need, guys need to like we need to get on a fitness program, like just start nailing it out. I'm ready. You can nail like, me. You, want, you talk about you need a new vice. We need to get on some new vices. Some fitness. You can nail me out anytime, Chris. <laughs> Uh, oh, 
man. No, seriously though, it's um I mean I see I see it's like a slippery slope, you know, you're 33 years old. Yeah. You know, it's like you, things are just starting to feel like slow down a little bit. You wake up you're a little ton more tired in the morning. It's just like a little bit harder to rebound from you know, all the things that we've done for a really long time and I just have it, I think it's important more important right now than ever to like you know, get on the right eating and fitness and life plan and sleep plan and all those things because I think it's like, you know, you could, if you let it slip right now to get it back, it's going to be so much harder than it's ever been. Right. So. When you can't see your micro penis anymore, that's when it really crosses the line. <laughs> that's a problem. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a serious problem. All right. Well, I agree with you, Chris, and it's just like every Sunday night of my life in the last 15 years, I'd be like, tomorrow I'm going to start eating well and exercising, and I've never been able to fucking do it. So I think I need a brain transplant. But, um, Mike, tickets are $808. Uh, if oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. So we, uh, we're, in the, we're in the ballpark, and um, that's basically it, you guys. Thanks. Um, here's a bet. I have a bet for us that we could. Here's a gambling bet, Alex. Why don't we buy the tickets because they're so cheap? Betting no. on the fact that we're going to make the money back. Well, no. you, you should talk to our bookie. You should talk to our bookie. See if he can front <laughs> us the money. What sort of uh, percentage do you want, Gabe? What kind of? How much? How much? What? What? What annual percentage rate per month do you want on that? On that deal? I don't support this bookie. I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> we should point out that our bookie's name is Johnny Best. Hopefully, that doesn't out him. Yeah, so it's a great bookie name. Um. All right, you guys. Well, um, that, that's the podcast. Any last thoughts? We got a game against Buffalo today. Rex Ryan, and then Baker's going to uh, Cleveland. Hopefully, we can get a phoner podcast from the Radisson in Cleveland or wherever he's staying. Yeah, we're, I'm staying with my, I'm staying with my buddy Kramer, uh, actually, Doctor Kramer. He's a dentist out in Cleveland now. He was born and raised in Cleveland. He's a big Cleveland fan um, of all of all kinds, and he's got a he's got a house out there. and He's got season tickets to the Browns. And when I found out that it was uh, Brady's comeback game, I, I probably would have tried to go anyway. Once I found out they were playing at, the, at Cleveland, because this gives me an excuse to go visit him. But Alex. I got another surprise. Scott is also going to be at the game. Tailgate Scott. And so he's going to be in Cleveland, and we're going to set up a, a uh, tailgate Cleveland style. Wow. Uh, so that should be, oh. should, be re- should be really fun. All yeah, right. Gabe, you sh- Gabe, someday you'll meet Tailgate Scott, I'm sure. Um, Can't wait. But... All right. He, yeah, so he'll be out there. He'll be out there. Sorry. Kramer will be out there. I'll be out there. It'll be fun. All right, well, my surprise is that my wife is pregnant. Oh! No. Wait, seriously? Seriously. Holy shit! Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Baby what did that happen? Gabe knows about it already because he was talking about himself on the phone a couple days ago, so I just told him to get him off his game. <laughs> oh my god! Because um, you guys are closer friends than us. Oh my god! How how far along is she? She is three months along. Uh, she's in the safe, safe zone, except for you know whatever could possibly go wrong, but won't. Uh, she the baby's due basically on my birthday, April 11th. My birthday is April 12th. I will have a child when I graduate from business school, and my wife will not be able to work. So for the first time in my life, I'll be forced to create a steady income. Uh, oh, man. Poor and, kid. 
Yeah, we can talk about babies on the podcast from here on out, I guess, Mike. Yeah, I think the Patriots is so much more interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of stuff I can send your way, and then we we should obviously ask Gabe what's going on, and then tell Baker what to expect. Yeah, why don't we set up yeah, a... Baker, better get cracking here. Let's set a... No, don't do it. Let's set a uh, global supply chain where Gabe gives his hand-me-downs to Mike, and then we ship them to Massachusetts to me and see what our carbon footprint is. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> um, oh my god that's down. crazy. You guys are all you guys all have children or are going to. Yeah, Baker, I'll have a kid at your wedding. Oh fuck. Maybe I should just maybe I should just yeah. run the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> and as well Gabe for that matter, I guess. Gabe will have like a bo- uh like a real child at that point. Yeah. Yeah, ring ring bearer, Chris. First day he'll audition. Yeah, I think it's. I, sorry, I think it's gonna be a no kids wedding. <laughs> <laughs> we, went like to, we, went, we went to these weddings. We had kids there. It was awful. The fucking kids are crying the whole time, and like you know, it's like stop making it about yourself. This is about them. You know, take those kids out of here. I'm. You know? I'm in support of that. I, I support that. Yeah, I do too. I, can you do? So here's a question about that. Uh, can you? Can a two month old baby be away from his mom? Yeah. Does anyone well, know? Gonna, I mean, he's gonna have the a body pump, Alex, and your mom. It'll be in Hanover. Let him stay with Grandma. Yeah, she's gonna pump her breast, and then there's gonna be a certain amount, probably four ounces of milk, that your mom's gonna feed the baby during the wedding. My You're mom not gonna have a late night. Though. My mom's gonna pump her breast for my baby. Isn't that like illegal? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we can talk about this later offline, but that's the news from Landline Podcast Headquarters. My wife is pregnant, and she's gone for two weeks, so get wow, get the congrats. party. That's great. Congrats. Yay. Yay. That's such good news. Uh, you know, I, 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 was starting, I was starting to wonder, you know, she wasn't drinking at those weddings and, and driving and, you know, just generally, I just, you were like, at one point you were like, yeah, she's not going to drink, like. Like I'm like, does she not drink anymore? She's just—I mean, I know she's not at that into it to begin with, but my like, she, my favorite thing to do in those situations was to say that Rocio had sniffed a bunch of glue in the parking lot before. <laughs> like, oh no, she's, she's not drinking. She sniffed a bunch of glue in the parking lot before, and then yeah, no one asked any questions. Uh, or you could just be like, she uh, she's a recovering alcoholic. That's another way to get out of it. Um, right, well, Baker. At one of the weddings, she was actually carrying around Bud Light and like putting the bottle up to her mouth and just like letting the liquid stay there and then putting it down and then when no one was looking like <laughs> dumping it out in the bushes so uh she pl- she had wow, but, but yeah is... that that might have been that retroactively might have been the reason that she was ready to go at around 11:30 at both those weddings so oh, I'm sure yeah it makes yeah. a lot of sense well like in the midwest in those weddings in, in Wisconsin I mean we I saw multiple multiple pregnant women I think I told you this Alex like just drinking openly at the bar <laughs> Tall glasses of wine with ice, multiple glasses. I mean, they, they were like, yeah, this is my fourth kid, and I'm just over it. I'm like, uh, I still don't think that's a great idea. But, one, they say, I mean, it's you can have, like, up to maybe even one a day, some yeah, people say. That's yeah, the, that's, what I, that's what they said. That's the, she's not drinking. My pregnant wife is not drinking, but that is the research that she's seen, is that it's pretty much good for that people say that one drink a day is fine. I've been having more than one, but I, I think it'll be fine. 
I think during the first trimester, you try to do maybe one per week tops. But then after that, I mean, Rocio's had a, she doesn't, she has like a beer every now and then. It's not, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Well, she's international. What is she? Maybe you guys should stop drinking in solidarity. Fuck that! Absolutely not. I, I didn't drink. I didn't drink last night in solidarity. But then, actually, it was two nights ago. And then last night, I bought a bottle of bourbon because she's gone for two weeks. So, you never know. Oh man! Well, so, what are you doing this weekend, Alex? Uh, nothing. I'm gonna be in Boston on Saturday, I think. I oh, I was gonna go back home actually on Saturday, but maybe I won't. We'll see. All right, well, let's talk offline about it. Yeah, things. will you bring my dental appliance and adjust it here? Do I need to be... Yeah, I could, you have a Dremel? You have a Dremel? We could do that. I might. Um, bring some burrs. All right. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's... All right, anyway, we'll talk later. All right. Uh, thanks for potting. I hope this comes out well. Uh, great content. Great sound, except for the hissing that was in, in the back for the entire hour and 45 minutes, and... Now when I replay, well, now when I replay it, we'll see if it's still there. I don't think it's gonna be. Um, but that's the word from landline. Thanks for listening, folks. And another episode should be up soon. Thank you, uh, Gabe. Don't crash your car if you're still on the line. I pulled over. Safety first. <laughs> Mike, uh, good luck with the beer. When are you gonna bottle it? It's already bottled. I got two more weeks waiting for it to get uh, perfect. So. And get those uh, labels ready. Yeah, get those. Yeah, I'll make them. And uh, <laughs> Baker, make sure that Margot's taking her birth control. Oh, yeah, she certainly is. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that fitness plan. We, we can get on the four of us. All right, I like it. Um, and uh, we'll, right, t- we'll, we'll talk on the Internet. All right, okay. love you guys. Bye. See ya. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening to Landline Podcast. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and talkforaliving.com. Call the Landline at 617-744-1895. Email the show at landlinepodcast at gmail.com. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. You're listening to Landline. courtesy pickup but i can't talk you can't give us five minutes on politics not really i'm afraid are you meeting with us or we it's the podcast it's your listeners it's your loyal fans wow hey everyone um okay just tell us that your stress level like really paint a picture of how how bad of a mood you're in I'm actually in a great mood. I just I went to my new expensive gym and then I bought a box of new expensive sushi and I just ate it. But you have a meeting. Um yeah, I have a meeting in a couple minutes. Followed by another and then a third and then a fourth. All right.
followed by drinks in the city, interestingly. I'll let you know how that goes. With a date? A nice Jewish girl. Ooh, what what website did you find her on? Honestly, it's such a jumble. I, I have no idea who she is or where, <clears throat> I, where I would have encountered her. All right, well, Anna's pregnant. Holy shit. Seriously? Seriously. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And it's all on podcast being released. It's You're the first podcast guest to know. I'm flattered about that. I'm going to tell Mike and Baker on the next podcast, which starts in 18 minutes. <laughs> now, how soon before I can politely begin my campaign for Godfather? I think right away. I mean, it's... You know how election cycles work these days. Like it's the the caucuses and primaries start now. Early bird gets the worm. That's right. But the second mouse gets the cheese. <laughs> now, when um, when like give me give me a detail or two. April eleventh due date. Don't know the sex. Everyone's healthy. And wow, let's see. I've just been telling people the only people I've told are like you and Tim and Gabe, and I told both them similarly, like in a conversation about something else. And it was who did you tell first? I told Gabe first because he was talking about himself boringly, and I just dropped it in there. How much time elapsed before you then told Tim? A long time. I don't know, four days, and then it's wow. all, it's only been probably. 21 hours since I've told Tim and now I told you. Yeah, yeah, that's more like a, <laughs> I like a nice short window when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's the world I'm living in. Wow, wow. So you will graduate business school and become a father within a 60-day time period. I will graduate business school, and my breadwinner will be having a baby, and I'll be forced to get some sort of employment. Oh, that's the story of your life. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Something was going to force the issue at some point, right? Presumably. Wow. Big stuff, man. Big stuff. 